This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. You just don't get a broadacre crop much smaller than an Australia-wide total planting of 50 hectares, harvesting just 45 tonnes of grain. And yet, we import nearly 3,000 tonnes of it a year for the food industry. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. That's the situation right now with quinoa, that superfood that grows like a cereal that you can cook like a rice. But now a new variety has been developed in West Australia that is set to reverse that situation. And shortly I'll be talking to one of the people who has brought all this about. AgriFutures Australia over the past four years, 2015 to 2019, has invested in a national quinoa research project with the West Australian Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development taking the project lead, looking at how and where it can be grown around Australia. That research also led to the development of a new variety suited to Australian conditions called Crusoe White. And here to tell us all about it is Dr. Hamohinda Damu, a research scientist with DPIRD. Hamohinda, I suspect that for many Australians, quinoa is still a fairly exotic food that you might notice occasionally on supermarket shelves, but it's actually quite popular around the world, is it not? As you know, in the recent times, quinoa became popular as a superfood globally and because of its perceived health benefits. As you know, it has a high protein with the excellent amino acid profile, gluten-free and low glycemic index. And you can actually judge its uh, popularity or in, with the increase in production in 2019 from 23,000 tons to almost 200,000 tons in 2019. And also, you know, Australia is spending around about $7.5 million every year in importing quinoa from mostly from Southern America to meet the local demand. And also there was a survey that 80% of the consumers in Australia, they haven't actually used quinoa yet. So there's a lot of you know, potential. And that's, I think, where Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development and AgriFutures, they had a collaborative project to do something to meet the local demand and eventually maybe export quinoa from Australia to other countries. And uh, as you said, the project was led by DPIRT or Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. But we had a collaborators in the other states like South Australia, Northern Territory, New South Wales and Queensland. So this, this was a sort of national project but led by deeper. For Australian farmers, the decision to move into growing a totally new crop is a pretty complex one. One aspect, of course, is returns. In theory, how does quinoa compare to other mainstream crops like canola and wheat? Definitely, as you said, in terms of you know gross margins, we did actually economic analysis uh, under rain-fed conditions of uh, Jordan, which is sort of you know high to medium rainfall zone. And where we actually assumed that we can produce quinoa one ton per hectare, and where wheat is generally three tons, and canola generally one, one and a half tons. And with the current prices of wheat and canola, 
and uh, assuming uh, which is the current price of quinoa now um, $1,000 a ton, the gross margins, they were actually double than wheat and canola, just with one ton of quinoa. But in Jelton area, we have actually got up to three tons of quinoa grain yield. So yes, economic returns is one attraction. And other thing is, you know, quinoa is a sort of broadleaf crop, not closely related to canola or pulses or other grain legumes. So that will be actually diversify the crop rotations and it can fit nicely into our cereal dominant crop rotations or cropping systems, I think, throughout Australia. You know. The other issue that growers would take into account is the market. Now, clearly there's a market here in Australia of about 3,000 tonnes, but that is processed grain. Are there currently facilities to process Australian-grown quinoa? Quinoa currently is produced in two states. One is in WA, under broadacre farming, and other is actually in Tasmania, which is mostly organic. So in Tasmania, around about 40 hectares almost every year. And this year, actually, in WA, uh, we have 60 hectares. But state-of-the-art processing plant is actually there at Nerogen on Ashley V's property. So that's the sort of modern quinoa processing plant. So that's one thing. The farmers, they, whosoever is producing quinoa, they can uh, contact them for processing. Or other possibility is there's a small machines available from Germany, Peru, and China. So farmers, maybe if they're just producing sort of small quantities, they can process with those machines which are available from those countries. And I think price is around maybe twenty to 25000 Australian dollars. Okay, so affordable to have on-farm processing. Uh, yeah, that's right. So that can be done. And one of the farmers, Sam Carbone, he has actually a machine and he was quite satisfied with that machine. We had discussed with him and he said it's quite good. But I think, you know, for the last scale, those machines will not be suitable. But for the small production, for the local sort of, you know, market, I think that should be okay. What actually happens when the grain is processed? Chris, main thing is, you know, quinoa seed has in the outer layer, which is called pericarp, only the outer layer, okay? So it has a chemical that's called saponin. Saponin means like soap-like material, which is bitter in taste and anti-nutritional. So when you wash it, it goes away or you can remove it through washing. So generally, traditionally in the South America, like, you know, Peru, Bolivia, they, in the traditional sort of use, they wash it and consume it. But in the commercial production, I think that's uh, difficult. But so you with the machine generally wash it and dry it or there's an abrasion or maybe some like a sandpaper kind of, you know, that you can remove uh, from the top layer, you know, of the, of the seed. So there's a different sort of machines. But I think, you know, with the processing plant at uh, Nerogen, I think that's mainly washing, drying and grading. Now, one of the truly impressive aspects of growing quinoa is that it can be grown anywhere from Tasmania, as you mentioned, to Catherine in the top end. How is that possible? This crop is very plastic in that sense, you know. You can grow it in winter, you can grow it in spring, summer, you know. So it, it, it grows quite well, provided, you know, you're keeping certain conditions in mind. One thing is, you know, that from flowering to seed development or maturity, if temperature goes above 34 to 35 degrees centigrade, then you will get less yield. Secondly, if there's a chilling temperatures 
during uh, flowering to seed development maturity chilling temperatures say 6 to 12 degrees centigrade and also frost then uh, sometimes you will not get any yield and thirdly if you get a lot of rainfall at maturity then it can actually affect the grain yield and also the grain quality so uh, mainly when i'm saying you know at maturity means it, it is sensitive to sprouting tolerance you know so it doesn't have much sprouting tolerance okay so seed can sprout in the head so it seems like you would grow it in the northern parts of australia in the winter time and in the southern parts of australia in the summer time is that right yeah that that's basically we have tried we tried in the dry season in the up north north of wa like kananara and then in the wheat belt of wa in northern sort of you know wheat belt like you know jordan area coastal area and even in the central we tried in the winter and down south southwest which is manjimap area we tried in spring summer zone so that that was quite okay as well uh, under irrigated conditions and in south australia we tried early summer or late spring zone and it yielded quite well and in new south wales we also tried as a autumn zone spring zone and it is quite nice under irrigated conditions so yielded quite well around about 1.5 tons and in the north of queensland uh, near cairns that was tried in in winter winter generally dry so that that's also under irrigated conditions so it it, it grows quite nicely if you have a right time of sowing and the suitable soil type so so it doesn't like actually hard setting clays and also deep sands which are non wettings because it is a very small seed grain and crop establishment becomes an issue you know under those uh, soil types now I see that it doesn't like wet feet but what sort of uh, rainfall does it need under sort of you know wa conditions it grew well but we uh, uh, we will recommend actually in uh, medium to high rainfall zones maybe not under very low rainfall areas from my reading it's kind of comparable to growing canola in some respects in that uh, you do advise people to windrow it okay i mean there's a three or four possibilities so firstly if crop is mature enough uniformly mature and not much moisture actually inside the head of the plant then you can do direct heading standing crop no problem we have done it other possibility is if crop is not uniformly maturing and you think you know that there is still moisture in the head you can do windrowing and then uh, harvest uh, with the front lifters you know and other possibility is uh, desiccation you can do also regalone or dicoid we have a permit to apply on kinva in australia so you can do desiccation as well but even with the desiccation sometime because the head is quite dense and still there's a moisture inside the head and when you start harvesting even after desiccation sometime uh, the harvest actually um, what we call glued up or you know can create problems in harvesting so i think in that situation windrowing like canola can be a best option you know what about uh, sowing kimar is it pretty much like uh, any other crop like canola or wheat definitely so under optimal conditions if it's a good soil type planting at the right time it it is exactly like you know growing any other sort of crop like canola wheat yes but because it is a small seed you will have to you know keep the seeding depth very shallow compared to wheat 
wheat maybe you can go up to under dry land conditions up to three centimeter deep but this one maybe not more than one centimeter deep and Hamahinda, what about disease tolerance how tolerant is it to the common diseases in australia okay in our trials uh, we haven't actually noticed anything serious only thing we noticed is sclerotinia in one year in one trial and also there was a crown uh, fusarium crown rot uh, under irrigated conditions otherwise we didn't actually notice any disease issues with our crusovite or other germplasm lines but uh, around the world there are actually a couple of diseases which i would like to mention Donny mildew is the sort of major disease around the world on quinoa, then tamping off, leaf spot, and bacterial blight. And also the spinach and beet viruses, they have been reported on quinoa. Actually, quinoa is very closely related to spinach and beets than any other plants. Really? Oh, wow. Um, you referred to quinoa as a break crop. How does it perform as a break crop? How does it fit into the system as a break crop? Break crop, we generally consider any other crop than the cereal because our crop rotations or cropping systems, they are cereal dominant. So basically, you are introducing any non-cereal uh, crop in the system, like you know canola, pulses, or lupins, and there'll be another option for those rotations. You know, from the disease point of view, disease break in cereals point of view, weeds point of view, that sort of stuff. You know. Okay. Now, you're not just saying to growers, go for it. Uh, You've actually developed an agronomy package that goes into a tremendous amount of detail about how to grow this new crop. Is that going to be freely available to growers? That's right, uh, Chris. During the project, we developed an agronomy package for Kinva, specifically focusing on uh, Crusoe White. And that will be available very soon through Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development website. And also, there's a uh, media release from AgriFutures on their site, so people can download there, or eventually, I'm sure soon, they'll be available on uh, DPERT's website as well. Now, is there enough seed out there? What if farmers want to have a bit of a dabble at this next year? Are they going to be able to get hold of a seed? Is seed reasonably available? Okay, we have uh, multiplied seed and the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development, they put the expression of interest out to select the seed licensee or seed licensees uh, who can multiply and market the crucial white seed. So that there was a deadline on 18th of September. So that process is now complete. And now they are assessing the applications and I'm sure that will be done soon and the seed licensee or licensees will be selected which will multiply seed next year and hopefully some of the seed may be available next year or year after to growers and so the growers can contact those seed licensees or licensee and get seed from them. Now Hamahindu you quoted a price and I think it was a thousand dollars a ton has that price been fairly stable or is it likely to go up or even go down at some point in the future? I mean, it has been actually uh, up and down, but I think this is quite sort of stable price for a couple of years, you know, has been stable, yes. It really is an exciting project, isn't it? I mean, you're getting right in on the ground floor of what is already very popular and high-valued food around the world, so it seems to me that the advantages could be enormous if you have the right soil, you get the rainfall at the right time. 
it just seems like a great opportunity for farmers. Yes, I think there'll be it is a great opportunity for the growers from economics point of view and also from diversity in their crops for their crop rotations. So, Harmahinda, what would be your advice to growers who perhaps want to just try this out? How, how should they go about it? Yeah, how should they put their toe in the water? I would actually recommend growers to, you know, maybe try first on small area and maybe have experience with this crop and also maybe work out the marketing, uh, whether they want to go through, I suppose, three farmers or they want to develop their own market or they, uh, what's their plan, you know. So maybe I think start with the maybe small area first and then uh, accordingly they can decide to go bigger. Research scientist Hamel Hinder-Damu from the West Australian Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. So, have you tried quinoa? I haven't. Well, not yet, anyway. As I say, it's one of those foods that we might occasionally hear about, but for most of us, it remains a mystery. So, hats off to the people who, four years ago, recognised its potential and set about a nationwide trial and at the same time developed a new variety, Crusoe White, that suits Australian conditions. Tom McHugh is the Senior Manager for Emerging Industries Business Development at AgriFutures Australia. Tom, what sparked AgriFutures' interest in quinoa in the first place? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no, the the project's uh, been running since 2015 and I guess the thing about quinoa is it has a range of nutritional benefits but it also is potentially suited to a a growth market and what our early evidence showed was that it's still underutilized in Australia from a consumer perspective. Market research at the time actually suggested that up to 80% of Australian consumers were still yet to use quinoa and because of its superfood characteristics it was expected to increase as a staple product in mainstream food. So certainly from the point of view of growing it, there was a great opportunity to grow in a lot of our conditions around Australia to look at production capability for, for quinoa. Oh, I imagine, Tom, four or five years ago, uh, people were still struggling to even pronounce the name of it, quinoa. I think there were a great number of variations of pronunciation back there. What do you think are some of the hurdles that growers might face in, in terms of making that decision to grow it? Hurdles or even advantages for them? So certainly from the point of growing it, part of the work was to actually look at where firstly it could be grown across Australia, like does it need irrigation, does it need a certain environment or climate that needs to be developed in order to maximise its productivity. So certainly some of the initial focus of the project was to look at can we use traditional practices in herbicide use, can we look at seed processing techniques and so from that point of view these are all the types of questions that a grower would actually ask you know is it going to be profitable will I get yield from it it will it grow in my environment and so certainly what we looked at in the trial was running it across a range of environments from northern Australia right down to southeastern Australia to to get a bit of a feel of the adaptability of of some of the lines of quinoa that were available to Australian growers. It certainly ticked the boxes on all those agronomic aspects. But really what amazed me most is that variation in in where it can be grown and the fact that it can be grown as a summer crop or a winter crop depending on where you are. I've not really heard of another crop that's even like that. 
Well, yes, the study has shown it's quite versatile. It's certainly one of the things that is being looked at now as it, as we look to put it into the market is how much demand there might be in different zones. And so certainly the report demonstrated some of the management practices and agronomy that would be required to grow it in different environments. And it's certainly a key output of the program was to develop an agronomy package, which which has been produced and is available online. And the other aspect of it, of course, is that there's, well, there's a latent demand there. There's a huge demand, I suppose, for the product in Australia. But then there's the world export market. I mean, that's probably years away from now. I suppose the idea is to get the crop established in Australia. But the potential there is huge, I would think. Well, it's certainly a food ingredient that's in demand worldwide. Certainly a lot of... Uh, countries are using quinoa as part of their diet and so while there is opportunity in the future our first focus was making sure that it was available for the Australian environment so that it could be grown and utilised in our own Australian systems in the first instance. We'll certainly monitor it closely in conjunction with our partners to see what opportunities might exist in the future for some of these countries that might be demanding quinoa but certainly in the first instance the focus has been on getting it as a as a crop within Australia. Yeah, true. Uh, now, not to put you on the spot, Tom, but you've eaten quinoa? Certainly have. It's What's absolutely it like? delicious. I've used it in all kinds of things from salads to side dishes on, on meals. Yeah, I actually think it's a really healthy and nutritious addition to any meal. And, and if cooked correctly, you know, it's very flavoursome too. So quite enjoy mm-hmm. it, Chris. Well, that's good, mate, because I've got a packet here and I'm going to throw it in the rice cooker tonight. Uh, I'm going to throw a salad together and uh, see what all the fuss is about. (laughs) Sounds good, Chris. I'm not sure Tom trusts my culinary skills. Tom McHugh, who is the Senior Manager for Emerging Industries Business Development for AgriFutures Australia. So, growers, next time you're in the supermarket, you know what to look out for. It's spelt Q-U-I-N-O-A, but pronounced, in Australia at least, quinoa. My name is Chris Brown. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia.